0: Philippians chapter one. Uh, we started uh, looking at this uh, letter uh, by church by uh, Paul to the church of Philippi just a few weeks ago, and as I was reading the text for this week, I thought of a few different people. Some of you have heard the name John Bunyan, who uh, wrote Pilgrim's Progress. I think after the Bible, it's the most widely read book uh, in history. He spent 12 years in prison because he did not have a license by the Church of England to hold church services and proclaim the gospel of Jesus. 12 years in prison for that. Another man, Richard Wurmbrand, a pastor in Romania, spent 14 years in prison under the communist government because he stood for the name of Jesus Christ boldly and unashamedly. Dietrich Bonhoeffer spent two years in a concentration camp, again because he was a Christian and he was put to death in that place by the Nazis. Corey Tinboom and her sister Betsy spent time also in a concentration camp because they were protecting Jews from the Nazis who were trying to kill them. Betsy died in that place. And Paul the Apostle, who we read about today, was imprisoned multiple times, and here as he writes this, was imprisoned in Rome for a couple years because of the name of Jesus Christ. Through these few people and many others in the last 2,000 years, the gospel has been advanced because of their suffering and as we look at chapter 1 verses 12 through 18 the scriptural truth this morning is this is that Paul uh, that God uses our trials and our heart and hardships for his glory in the advancement of the gospel God uses our trials and hardships for his glory in the advancement of the gospel as we read this text this morning I would Point you to think and reflect on your life. What troubles are you in? What problems are you facing? What type of trials have come into your life? And the question for you to think about, in the midst of my troubling life, in the midst of my problems, is God working to use it for the advancement of the gospel and his glory? Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. Again, if you do not know or need to be reminded, you are blessed to be able to read the Word of God, to have the Bible printed for you to read. It is a gift of God because as we read it, we know it is the authoritative, infallible Word of God. There is no mistakes, and it is what points us to Jesus Christ who gives us life through faith in Him. Let's look at the text this morning and look at Paul's sufferings and his hardships and how God is using it for his glory, and specifically in verses 12 through 14, in that Paul is rejoicing in suffering. How many of you take joy in your suffering? How many of you like to rejoice in the troubles that you face? We hope and desire that we would have a response like the Apostle Paul but if we are honest no matter what trouble you face in life the temptation right away is to say woe is me oh why is this happening to me All of this trouble. Why would you do this, God? And I'm reminded of our study in the book of James a year ago in which James says, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of various kinds because it produces perseverance. And so I would remind you to go back and read the book of James in which God pointed out in his word there that any trouble that you face as a follower of Christ any persecution, any trial is so that God would use it for his glory and your growth in your relationship with him. But we still don't want the suffering, right? We still don't want the trouble. We still don't want the hardships, but we know that Jesus has said, in this world is trouble. You will have trouble is what he said, but he is the one who has overcome the world. Look here at verse 12. And as we look at verse 12 and Paul talking about his circumstances, you need to be reminded of your circumstances in life. He said to us, he wrote to the church in Philippi in verse 6 there, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to what? Completion. He will finish it at the day of Jesus Christ. So in no matter what problem you face, if you're a follower of Christ, You must be reminded, God is in control. Even if you think he's not, he's in complete control. Your problem did not surprise him. Uh, He didn't go like, oh, wow, that person got cancer. Oh, my, this person had someone just die in their family. Oh, that person just lost their job. None of these things surprise God. And if you read the book of Job, we know that God allows trouble in our lives. And sometimes as we read, God sends trouble into our lives for our testing of our faith and that we would grow in perseverance. And so it is a mixed bag of feelings when we think of our troubles, especially for all who are in Christ If you're not in Christ, if you're not a follower of Christ, then you just think all the the troubles of the world are upon you for no other reason. Some of you who are maybe not in Christ may think, God is punishing me. Well, I pray that God would change your heart and bring you to Him this morning. Look at verse 12. Paul says to the church in Philippi, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Well, what has happened to the Apostle Paul, you would need to go back and read the book of Acts. Uh, He went through all kinds of trouble to go to city after city after city to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you read the book of Acts, he mentions that three times the people in different cities took rods and they beat him repeatedly. Imagine someone or a group of people taking sticks and beating you repeatedly because you believe in Christ. That happened to him three times. He also writes and says that five times he received 40 less one lashes. So five different times they took these lashes, these whips, these things that had uh, sharp objects or hard objects, at the end they whipped him in the back 39 times. So 195 times he took lashes, 195 lashes across his back because he stood for Jesus Christ, crucified, risen again. He was shipwrecked and survived. One time a city took him out of the city for preaching Christ. They picked up stones and threw it at him until he was dead on the ground to them. They left, he wakes up, he goes right back into the city to proclaim the good news of Jesus How many of us would do that? I pray for all who are in Christ that we would all do that. But this is what he's gone through. He also says that he was in constant danger from thieves or bandits. That he uh, was in constant danger with those who traveled with him of crossing rivers. I mean, you look at the rivers in town this week. They are raging. Don't go and try to cross a river. Paul said he was in danger of these types of things. And he was in danger, he being a Jew, of his own Jewish brothers and sisters who wanted to take his life. And here he writes from prison in Rome. Prison in Rome is where he is writing from in these places. Yet when you read the letters that Paul writes, he never complains. And I was like, wow, how many times do I complain over the smallest things? But yet they seem like the greatest things of that day, the most trouble, but yet how many times do I complain, oh, woe is me, and yet when I read of Paul's trouble, I'm like, wow, the temptation for you and I is to say, woe is me, is to get all the focus on ourselves and not on God, that he just may be allowing trouble in your life, he just may be sending trouble in your life so that he can advance the gospel of Jesus Christ for his glory and your good and know that this is for a short moment in life. Eternity is forever. The trouble we face here is for a short moment. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. This is what the apostle Paul writes to Timothy about his suffering. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. He says, yes, I'm facing trouble but I'm willing to do it for the name of Christ and for the elect, the saints, the church, that they would hear the gospel and be encouraged and the lost would be saved. And so if you go back to Philippians here, it helps us when we are reading this letter to the church in Philippi in which he speaks of his suffering as for the advance of the gospel. The word means there to advance something. It means to move forward, to make progress. Sometimes that word is used with a military action where they make progress in some type of movement. But there's an advance of the gospel. Paul's suffering, specifically being in prison for these two years, has, sought, has helped to advance the gospel. People are hearing the gospel, and they're being saved. I constantly am reminding you and myself to pray for the lost in the city of Missoula. Church, are you doing that? Pray that they would hear the gospel by you not because they attended a church service in town and heard a pastor preach it, but they would hear you declare the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit would open their eyes that are blinded by Satan and they would see Jesus Christ crucified, risen again, salvation in him, and they would be saved. As we read of Paul's suffering here, it is strange to think at times that God does use the lowly and unexpected things of our lives to advance his gospel and his glory. And we may not understand it until the day that we see Jesus, but the scriptures tell us this is how God directs all things for his glory. This is how God is moving and working in your life if you are facing trouble today. And I pray that your eyes are open to see it. And that the things that are blinding you of the world and cause you to, again to say, woe is me, that God would show you that it is for His glory, for building you up in your faith in Him and for the advance of the gospel of Christ. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, the apostle Paul writes this, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Listen this. Knowing that suffering produces what? endurance and endurance produces what character and character produces what hope and hope does not put us to shame because god's love has been poured into our hearts through the holy spirit who has been given to us amen you're still not there with with excited about suffering right no we don't want to suffer we just want to go to be with jesus right we just want to fall asleep Die in our sleep, never have any pain, never go to jail for Jesus' name. Just say, oh, I'm with the Lord forever and eternity. Right? If you're not, then I think you're lying. I think that. But that's not what God's plan that he declares to us. It's that we would endure suffering for the name of Christ so that people would hear good news and be saved. Verse 13, Paul says, so that it has become known throughout the whole Imperial Guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. When some of you heard that, you were excited because you like Star Wars. You're wondering, where's the Imperial Guard showing up here? Well, this is different. This is the Imperial Guard of Rome. And what he speaks of is he has a captive audience, whether they liked it or not. You see, when he speaks of his imprisonment here, uh, he is chained to a soldier 24-7. The soldiers are being changed in and out. So he has a captive audience in one sense. Whether they like it or not, he's chained to them. And one of the things I thought about here is, do you see how God's in complete control here? Do you see God's providence in this? And when we say God's providence, we mean God's constant care and His sovereignty over His creation, that He is constantly directing all of these things for His glory in the advance of His gospel. Every single thing, big and small, nothing of it happens apart from the will of God. God is not surprised that Paul's in prison chained to a guard. Actually, Paul writes that this is God's plan to advance the gospel. And so he is chained to part of the imperial guard. And it's important to know what is the imperial guard. These are like the top elite soldiers of Rome. They not only guard the emperor, but they're tasked with maintaining the peace in the city of Rome. These are the top soldiers. These are the top of the top of the top and Paul is chained to these soldiers who would have access to Caesar, who would be in the top levels of the Roman government there protecting the city of Rome. And it is this, this respected group of soldiers that Paul um, has their attention. To think for two years, that you're chained to these soldiers. You have no privacy. You have no, in a sense, time to just be alone and be quiet. Some of you love your moment, whatever time of the day, where you get to be quiet by yourself for a few minutes. Paul doesn't have that option. There's always constantly a chain. Chains make sounds. And there is also a soldier. How would you and I have responded to that? How it would you and I have been living through two years of that? Well, something to add on top of that, the Apostle Paul tells us more about this in Acts chapter 28. When you read the book of Acts and you read about Paul's life in verse 30 and 31, it says of Paul, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. If you paid attention to what I said there, read there, it says at his own expense. When you get to chapter 4 of Philippians, it helps you understand why Paul is so thankful for their generosity because the church in Philippi has not only sent people, but they've sent finances to help Paul because when you were in prison at that time, you were in prison and you had to provide for yourself. Just like when John Bunyan was in prison for 12 years, he had to rely on his family and other brothers and sisters of Christ to bring him his meals, to bring what they needed. The same thing here Paul would have faced in prison. So imagine you being in prison today, and you have to rely on others to come and bring you your meals, others to come and bring you your clothing, others to come and bring you whatever needs you have. Maybe that would give you a glimpse of why Paul, when he writes to the churches of how thankful he is that they would be so generous to provide all of his needs for him. And what a picture of the church should be today, that we would provide for one another when not even asked, but when we see a need, that we would do that And I'm thankful that this church is so generous. This church gives so greatly, not just to their finances, but to their times to bless one another, to help one another, to serve. That is what you should do as a follower of Christ, to follow Christ's example, to humble yourselves and serve one another for the glory of God. I was thinking about this, that, man, Paul was chained to these prisoners. And I thought, wait a minute. I need to think about this differently. The soldiers are chained to Paul. They have to listen to him. They're seeing him write these letters. I wonder if they asked questions or if he spoke to them. I wonder how many of them just are like, oh, I've got Apostle Paul duty this week. Oh, I don't want to go sit next to that guy because he's going to talk to me about uh, the gods that I worship are not real and he's going to tell me there's only one God, Jesus. I mean, have you ever run into those people that don't want to hear about Jesus? About a year ago, right before the runoff, I was fishing one evening, and I was by the water there, and it was a horrible day of fishing, and I was frustrated, or evening of fishing, I was, I was getting ready to turn and walk back to the shore and go to my truck, and the man goes, "'Hey, how was the fishing?' And I was just kind of grumbling. I was like, oh, it was horrible and all this and on and on. And so he starts to, you know, just interact. And he's asking me about all kinds of questions. And we start walking back towards where I parked down the river. And so as we're talking and he goes, hey, what do you do for a living? And I said, do you really want to know? <laughs> and I said, oh, I'm a pastor. Oh, oh I, I pray, I pray. And he kept going off. I said, well, who do you pray to? He goes, oh, oh I pray to God. And I began to interact with him and, and began to just ask him some questions and realize that there was some things that he believed which were not in line with the gospel of Jesus. And so I began to tell him about Jesus. And he was just like, he could not walk faster. I mean, this guy's like walking like this, and I'm like, I have to go the same way to my truck, and I got I got longer legs than you, buddy. You're not getting away. And so I'm walking, I'm like breathing hard. And he's just like, yeah, I pray, I pray. And he's like going off and all this stuff. And he's like, hey, you need to pray for me on this? I say, great, wonderful. And I'm like, hey, my truck's right up there. Can I pray for you right now? And he stops and he goes, uh, no, you can pray for me. But not, and he just keeps walking backwards now. And I'm like, this is strange. And I'm like, this guy wants to get away. But every time I ask him something, he's like, he can't go. And so on and on, and he's like telling me these things, and, and so I'm like, hey, uh, uh, and, I'm, and again, I'm sure, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna pray those things for you, but I'm also gonna pray that you believe in Jesus Christ for, as Lord and Savior, and he kind of mumbled something. He's like, oh, okay, you just, just pray for me. He was like off in a storm. And then like every, so many feet, he'd say, yeah, hey, pray for, I said, yeah, I'm praying for you. It was just kind of a weird thing. But it's like, that guy wanted out of there. Some of you know people like that. You bring up Jesus, And they want to run. Don't let them run. Share Christ crucified, risen again. Tell them that Jesus Christ is the only way that anyone can be saved through faith in him. I know that people watch lives of Christians. And I think too many Christians, and myself at times, rely on someone seeing my actions and hoping that they believe in Jesus. The scriptures do not declare that that's even a possibility for someone to be saved. Specifically, over and over, the scriptures say, the gospel must be declared. They must hear the gospel. And so the question is, what is the gospel? The gospel is this. Every single person that's born into this world is born with a sin nature passed down from Adam, and we purposely sin against God. And therefore, God who is holy and we who are not cannot have a relationship with any of mankind. And so, Jesus Christ was sent by God the Father. Jesus Christ, who is God, was sent on a mission to save his people from their sins. And Jesus Christ, who is God, was born in the manger. God added humanity to himself, fully God, fully man. And therefore, Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. He never sinned once. And therefore, the great good news, the gospel is this. Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross in our place for our sins. And he shed his blood so that his people can be forgiven of their sins and through faith in Jesus Christ be saved for eternity. And Jesus Christ died on the cross. His heart stopped beating, air stopped going through his lungs, his brain function stopped, and Jesus Christ died. And he was taken off the cross. He was laid in the tomb. And on the third day, God the Father raised the Son from death to life. Just as Jesus said, he will lay down his life for his friends and he will take it up again. And Jesus Christ is alive now. That's why any who are in Christ have hope. Because he's ascended to heaven. He's ruling and reigning now. Some of us keep talking about his kingdom to come. Do you know that Jesus reigns now? Do you? You're like, I don't know. Scripture tells us Jesus is reigning as king now. He will return in the future. And all who do not believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will be cast into hell for eternity for rejecting Jesus Christ as the only Lord and Savior. And there in hell, conscious torment for eternity. God, the Father's wrath upon those people for eternity. And all who have faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation will be with him in glory forever and ever, rejoicing in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Church, that is the gospel. And if you have never believed in faith in Jesus Christ's All I can say is like the Apostle Paul says, I beg and plead with you that you would believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. There's no class to go through. There's no action you have to do. There's not even a prayer you have to pray. It's simply Romans. Paul says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from death to life, and you will be what? Saved. That is scripture. That is not some quote from Pastor Paul Taylor. That's the apostle Paul writing the words of God in Romans chapter 10. That is the gospel. This is why Paul is in prison. This is what the scriptures are trying to stir up in you this morning and in myself, Christian, that we would not shrink back from declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would realize that in the midst of this world and in all the trouble that we face, God allows and sends these things so that in the midst of your trouble, The gospel would be advanced, and people would see in you Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans 1 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Look back here at verse 14. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Christians in Rome and Christians in other cities were coming to visit Paul while he was in prison. They saw the imperial guards chained to him. And to think, if the apostle Paul can witness to these imperial guards... Surely I can talk to my neighbor. Surely I can speak to my family member. Surely I can talk to this person that's a stranger about Jesus. And yet, isn't it hard for some of us to speak to our family members who we love about Jesus? Some of us, those holiday gatherings those times when the Holy Spirit stirring in your heart to say something about Jesus but you hold your tongue because you think that everyone in the room is going to be ticked off at you, that they're going to leave, they're going to disown you. Some of us think that if I open my, word, my mouth about Jesus at work, I'm going to get fired. Well, maybe you will. But isn't God in control? Is it for the advancement of his glory, his gospel? Some of you students will be or are ridiculed by your teachers because you're a Christian. Know that as you stand for the name of Christ, it's for his glory and the advancement of his gospel. I think sometimes if we're walking down the street and if any of us saw an adult beating a child, a lot of us would just jump right in and stop that. And try to defend the child. It's just like instant. But yet how many of us walking down the same street. Sees the person sitting on the bench or on the sidewalk. And we say nothing to them. Because there's a fear that comes over us. I don't know what to say. They're a stranger. How many of us have been presented an opportunity. To declare the gospel of Jesus. Because we know that if that person dies in their sin. They go to hell for eternity. Yet we so struggle to open our mouth. I don't know the words to say. I don't speak like the pastors in the pulpits do. I don't do that like that. I'm just not good like that, whatever. Have you forgotten, believer, the Holy Spirit lives in you? That Jesus promised the disciples that when you stand before the courts, for the name of Christ, the Holy Spirit will give you words to say, and if the Holy Spirit can do that for them, the Holy Spirit can give you church, the words to say when you open your mouth to the stranger, the family member, the coworker, the, the, the teacher, whoever it is, the neighbor, and the Holy Spirit will direct your words so that the advancement of the gospel can take place. Church, you can't save anyone. You can't save anyone. Only the Lord God Almighty can, but he's chosen to work that way through his people opening their mouth and declaring the gospel of Jesus, and it's the Holy Spirit who opens the eyes of the blind. Ephesians chapter 6 is a great chapter to read in regards to spiritual battle that's happening around you and I right now. The Apostle Paul says, put on the armor of God, and then at the end of it he talks about praying. You put on the armor of God, you pick up the one weapon you have, the sword of the spirit, and he says, and praying. Ephesians six, eighteen Last week, we looked at the text in Philippians, and the charge for you and me was to pray for one another. Have you done that this week? i was so thankful for some of you who called and texted and emailed me and said, Pastor, I'm praying for you this week. I was like, praise the Lord. Thank you. I'm praying for you right now. Do you see the Apostle Paul's in prison? He says, pray for boldness. That tells me that he battled with boldness and fear for sharing the gospel, He prayed that the believers would would pray that the Holy Spirit would give him boldness. Are you praying for me that I would have boldness, not just in a pulpit, but when I'm around town to declare the gospel? I need to pray for you. You need to pray for one another that we would have boldness by the power of the Holy Spirit to open our mouth and declare the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ because Christ is returning. The time is short, and he's given you a work to do. Let's look at verses 15 through 18. Paul not only rejoices in his suffering, but he finds great joy in the advance of the gospel. Finding great joy in the advance of the gospel... I pray that all of us would see the advance of the gospel that's happening around the globe here in Missoula and across all of the states and into the other nations where God is moving among his people and people are hearing the gospel and they're being saved by faith in Christ alone. That should bring us great joy and move us to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the globe. Verse 15, though, Paul exposes the motivations and intentions of some who are preaching the gospel. Verse 15, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. He doesn't tell us if these people are Christians or not. He simply says that these people are preaching the gospel, but their motivations and intentions are wrong. First, he says, some are preaching Christ, and their motivation is a pure heart. They have a love for God and a love for others. And so I pray that that's the motivation of every believer in this room, that we are declaring the gospel because we're motivated by the love of Christ, because he loved us first, and he saved us, and his grace and his mercy abounds for sinners like us. And so he says, some preach Christ crucified, risen again, out of a right, right, right motivation. But he said, others... Preach Christ, and their motive, motivation is envy and, and rivalry. Jealousy and strife, verse 17. He says, the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. And I really struggled as I read through this week trying to understand someone preaching the gospel so that they could cause a burden on another believer. And I was just, Lord, why, what's going on here? There's obviously some type of says he says they're envious, they're jealous, so some type of competition. I mean, again, numbers of people knew who Paul the apostle was. Were Were there people preaching Christ so that people would hear of Christ and be saved so that they could have a name for themselves? And some might say, well, that's ridiculous. It happens today. Do you know it happens today? In churches across the globe, there are people who preach Christ crucified, risen again, so they can build their own kingdom, so they can build a large church, or they can build up a great name for themselves. It doesn't only happen on a large church scale. Sometimes small Bible studies, people want to do a Bible study because they want to tell people Christ, but because they want attention for themselves. There are Christians who compete with one another for the attention of others and this because it's all about them and it's not about Christ. And the Apostle Paul says that's a reality he's facing. So not only being in prison, but he's got other people preaching Christ because they're envious of him. You go, wow. And I thought, so it's just weird. But then I thought about, wow, the scriptures talk about the motivation of the heart. This evening at five o'clock, we're finishing up in our evening service, the book of John, and in the, the, the I mean, First John, and in the book of 1 John, John writes to the believers, the Christian says, hey, um, yes, we have been set free from slavery to sin, we've been forgiven at the cross by the blood of Jesus Christ through faith in him alone, but if the believer says that they are still, that they no longer sin, they're liars. And he talks about the battle of, of sin going on there. So, your and my motivation and intentions of our heart can be wrong. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2 says this All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. Where is your heart today? What is the motivation of your heart in regards to giving glory to God and declaring the gospel of Jesus? Is your motivation and intention not to do anything because there's pastors in the church? There's elders and there's leaders and deacons and deacons. There's other people who have the gift of evangelism, and I don't. We have missionaries that go out, and I don't. Is that your motivation and intention for being quiet with the gospel of Christ? Are you trying to amass people that like, I saved five people last month. I'm writing it down in my journal. You didn't save anyone. If people were saved because you declared the gospel, praise the Lord. But God did the work. The Holy Spirit gave you the words to say, so praise Him for Him saving five other people. 1 Corinthians 10.31, Paul says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the what? Glory. Glory of God. That is to be your motivation and my motivation in everything you say, in everything you do, in everything you think. It's all for the glory of God. Look at verse 18. Paul says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. The apostle Paul could have called these people out that are preaching Christ in a wrong manner. He could correct them, rebuke them but in this though all he points out is even though they're preaching with a wrong motivation the gospel has the power to save. He has confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ, even if it's declared in a wrong motive or manner. Again, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Romans 1.16, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The reason I repeatedly, weakly, day in and day out whenever i have the opportunity to declare to you what the gospel is the reason why i do that is because many times over the years i ask a christian what is the gospel and the answer generally is this it's the bible church the gospel is not the bible the gospel is in the bible the i'll say no it's not the bible what's the answer what is the gospel? Oh, it's Jesus. You're getting so close. Because the gospel means good news about what Jesus did. Crucified for our sins. Shed his blood that our sins will be forgiven. That he died and rose again. That is the gospel. And for all who believe in him will be saved. That's the good news. So I constantly have to remind you I have been asked in this church and in a past church, are you going to preach the gospel every Sunday? And my mouth my jaw hits the floor. Maybe not literally, but I think of that. I'm like, are you kidding? And I think it's a joke. But seriously, Christians ask that. And the reason why I think sometimes is because they want their favorite pet topic discussed at church. Now, everything for life and godliness is in here. So yes, we should be able to talk about everything From parenting, to marriage, to how the church should function, to the way that you should work in your school and in your job, everything is in here. But if our motivation is that I'm going to go to a church so that they'll talk about my favorite topic and forget the gospel, I'm already saved by that, then you are in error. Because I never believed once that in a room this size with this many people that 100% of the people are saved. I pray that every single one of you have faith in Christ alone for salvation. But I can't rest on me guessing that because I'm not God. I don't know your hearts. So I must declare the gospel. You too, believer. Every person you come in contact with, do not assume that they're a believer. Christians should preach the gospel to themselves. You should preach the gospel to yourself every single morning, every single day. I mean, imagine if all of our conversation and believers was always constantly about Christ, how would that change our perspective of our day? How would that change your day and your life talking about Jesus? Paul, or In uh, Acts chapter 4, the apostles wrote in verse 11 through 12, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in what? No one else For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. And we are to preach it. We are to declare it. Paul knew that God's word, the gospel, would advance because God's truth never fails. The grass withers, the flower fades But the word of our God will stand forever. Amen? God never fails. He will never fail. And therefore, we are to pray that we would be obedient. In closing, look at the end of verse 18. Again, the question is, what is the motivation and intention of your heart this morning? Are you praying that other people would declare the gospel so that your friends and family can be saved? Are you hoping that someone else will talk to them when you see those people or you talk with them on the phone or you go to school with them or you are working with them or they're your neighbor and you're just hoping that someone else will do the declaration of the gospel? When things are not well in your life, do you look to God in the midst of the circumstances or do you say, woe is me? God, why would you do this? Do you look at the circumstances and the trouble in your life right now and just say, wow, Lord, is this the opportunity you're giving me now to declare the gospel for your glory so that people would be saved? This is the heart of the Apostle Paul. The problem is this. When a child gets cancer, when you lose your job, because you've opened your mouth about Jesus Christ, when your spouse dies, when your teacher ridicules you and mocks you because you say you're a Christian, when your family rejects you because you love Jesus Christ and you've opened your mouth about him, know that your suffering is for the advance of the gospel. Know that the trouble that you face is not just something that happens, but it's what God has set for your life, for his glory, that you would open your mouth, people would hear the gospel and be saved. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self Some of you feel like it's at that moment that you just want to give up and you just beg and plead. Lord, come back today. Come back today. I'm just gonna stay in my home. I'm gonna just gonna do these things. I don't wanna go out do this. I don't wanna go to work. I don't wanna go to school. I don't wanna talk to that person. Lord, just come back today. Let me die in my sleep. Do not lose heart. Is he ruling and reigning or not? Is he the Lord of your life? If he gives you the ability to breathe right now, he's the one who saves And as in verse 6 says, he will see it to the end, the good work that he's begun in you. So do not lose hope. Because God is the one in control of all of your circumstances. And he's the one who will direct all the things in your life to his glory. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning together as the body of Christ, that you would use our trials, our hardships, our troubles for your glory so that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be advanced. Father, we pray that you would make us to be faithful followers of you, that we would be faithful to go out and make disciples by speaking the gospel that you have entrusted to us to declare. Father, may we be more concerned about your glory than our own security, safety, and just feeling good. Father, would you make the gospel of Christ the central focus of our lives and that it would be ministry to others. Father, give us boldness. Give us fearlessness to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And Father, as we face in the days to come, in the future, the possibility, the reality of being persecuted for your name. May you fill us, Holy Spirit. Make us to stand strong for your name so that you would be glorified and that we would rejoice with you in glory for all eternity. We pray and ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.